It gives me great pleasure to welcome Janet Holder to the Canadian Club and back to Toronto. That fancy title Ms. Holder has is actually means that she has the lead accountability for advancing the proposed Northern Gateway pipeline through the regulatory and government review process. While our Prime Minister has described Canada as an emerging superpower, arguably it's difficult to be a superpower with only one export market. Even so, it took the difficulties experienced by the, pro by the proposed Keystone XL pipeline in the United States to bring into stark relief the need for Canada to diversify its energy markets. Canada has the product. China and the Pacific Rim countries present a ready market. The issue is, of course, how to get that product from the oil sands in northern Alberta to this market and to do so in an environmentally safe manner, respecting and balancing the rights of First Nations and other stakeholders, and of course, to do it in a timely fashion. Less than a month ago, National Chief Sean Atlio spoke at this very podium about the economic opportunities presented by resource development, First Nations working in partnership with the private sector. These are the challenges and opportunities that Janet faces every day. Once solidly ensconced here in Toronto as the first woman president of Enbridge Grass Distribution, this former competitive weightlifter, cancer survivor, and avid outdoors woman, a chemical engineer by training, actually volunteered for this task, a task that she believes is as important to the economic future of Canada as the building of the St. Lawrence Seaway. Outside of her business life and prior to moving back to St. George, British Columbia in the fall of 2011, she was a dedicated volunteer here in our community. The 2011 United Way Toronto Campaign Chair, she sat on the board of St. Elizabeth's Healthcare and she was the chair of the St. Elizabeth Healthcare Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, this remarkably accomplished Canadian, Janet Holder, the Canadian Club Podium, Canada's Podium of Record is yours. Thank you, Jamie, and um, I'm not sure I have anything much more to say after that introduction. Um, and I really am happy to be back here in Toronto. It is the better part of my home for the last 20 years, and, uh, um, and it's really the beautiful time of year. As you heard, I moved to Prince George. You can imagine there's not as much green in Prince George when I left it uh, as there is here today. So um, the snow is gone, uh, so I am out on my bike riding for the, or training for the ride to conquer cancer again. Um, hopefully one month is plenty of time of training. I had two months last year here. Um, I do recognize an awful lot of faces in the room, and, and, but it really is an honor to be here to speak to you about this uh, opportunity at the Canadian Club. And it is really my pleasure to talk to you about what I believe is the most important energy infrastructure project for our nation in the 21st century, the Northern Gateways Pipeline. In fact, let me remove that qualifier. Forget energy, 
I really do believe this is the most important infrastructure project today and period. 120 years ago, when the Canadian Club was founded, Canada had just completed another project vital to the well-being of our country, the Canadian Pacific Railway. Like Northern Gateway, the CPR looked west and created an important transportation corridor to connect markets and resources. In doing so, it helped to build and strengthen a fledging nation. Had the Canadian Club been founded just a few years earlier, I am confident that the leaders of the day would have stood at this very podium and talked about the importance of that thin band of steel extending to the West Coast and helping to bind and protect Confederation. Likewise, I am sure the creation of the St. Lawrence Seaway a little more than 50 years ago attracted the attention of the Canadian Club. The Seaway proved to be an economic engine for Canada in the mid-20th century. Since 1959, it has seen the transit of nearly 400 billion worth of cargo connecting the interior of Northern Amer North America to the markets of the world. Northern Gateway is as important uh, to Canada as a CPR and the St. Lawrence Seaway. Its impact on our economy will be of similar magnitude as its benefits will reach down through several generations. Today, I will discuss why we need to move forward with this project as a nation. I'll talk about why Torontonians should, should care about the pipeline, whose closest point will be more than 3,000 kilometers west of here. And I'll talk about how we can build it safely, respectfully, and sustainably. Northern Gateway will fundamentally change the energy industry in Canada. It will catapult our world-class energy resources onto the global market and will immediately diversify our customer base, a critical step towards a stronger economy in uncertain times. But this will only happen if, as a nation, we have the courage and the conviction to step out onto the world energy stage. Canada has a choice to make. We can wistfully gaze across Pacific at the growing Asian economies and wish we were there somehow, in some way, fueling their energy needs. Or we can act. We can be the Northern Gateway. Let me provide a little background on Enbridge and on the project itself, then I will uh, give you a bit of the rationale why we're into this ambitious undertaking. First of all, Enbridge is a Canadian company. For example, for those of you who are here in Toronto, uh, will know that we've been here for probably more than 100, well, we have been here for over 160 years, and we employ about 2,100 people in the GTA area. We operate the longest and most complex crude oil pipeline system in the world, safely and reliably delivering 2.2 million barrels of oil every day to markets in Canada and the United States. In fact, when you fill up your car here in Toronto, you can probably assure that that uh, gas was refined by crude oil that Enbridge did transport. We are also the largest natural gas distributor in Canada, heating over two million homes. Our natural gas gather gathering, processing, and transmission systems extend from northern BC to the Gulf of Mexico and transport energy to consumers in nearly 40 states and two provinces. We own and operate a growing portfolio of renewable energy products, uh, projects with a combined generating capacity of over 1,000 megawatts. 
Every action we take adheres to our core values of safety, integrity, and respect. And we use these values in all of our relationships. Across North America, we deliver energy, the energy that people count on for their homes, for their work, and to prosper. Northern Gateway is an extension of that commitment, built on the same core values that have made Enbridge a trusted company for decades. It is a dual pipeline extending about 1,200 kilometers from northeast Edmonton, Alberta, to the deepwater, uh, deepwater port of Kitimat, BC. The westbound pipeline will carry 525,000 barrels a day of petroleum from the Alberta oil sands. And the eastbound pipeline will carry 193,000 barrels a day of condensate back to Alberta, where it will be used to mix with uh, bitumen so that it can throw through the pipeline. At Kitimat, we will build a world-class marine terminal with two mooring berths for tankers and a total of 14 storage tanks. And I cannot overstate the importance of this maritime access. Today, Canada's proven oil reserves, the third largest in the world, are landlocked. With Northern Gateway and the port of Kitimat, this resource can be sold virtually anywhere in the world. Canada is a trading nation. In fact, of all the G8 nations, Canada is the one whose economy is most dependent upon trade. And our energy trade is a cornerstone of Canada's economy. In 2011, Canada's largest single export was crude oil. We exported $67 billion of it. However, nearly all of Canada's crude oil exports, about 99%, go to only one customer, the United States. U.S. demand is dropping. In fact, according to TD Economic Special Report released earlier this month, there has been a net 30% drop in imports of oil and petroleum products since 2005. And at the same time, the domestic supply is growing, and they do want to be self-sufficient. So us finding another customer should really not offend them our most valuable export commodity, and only one customer. Does anybody really find that a strange model? Would you ever want to have to defend that model? And at the same time, the U.S. has a wide range of oil suppliers to choose from, 65 countries, in fact. Its lists include such major petroleum exporters as Saudi Arabia, Arabia Venezuela, uh, Mexico, Nigeria, and Russia. That's a very dangerous imbalance for Canada. And we're feeling the impact of our landlocked crude oil every day. Every day there is not, we are not able to access tidewaters is a day of lost opportunity on the world energy market. When you hear that oil is trading at $100 or over $100 a barrel, I want you to remember that that's not the price that we pay, that we get in Canada for its oil. Canada's oil, because it is stuck or landlocked into North America with no outlets to other markets, sells at a discount. Up to $36 was a discount in March. Now I must explain this discount is not just due to the lack of market diversification but also due to some bottlenecks in Oklahoma. That's tens of millions of dollars a day and billions of dollars a year of foregone revenue for Canada. Northern Gate will change that. At a single stroke, it will diversify Canada's energy markets and significantly boost the power of our nation's most important economic engine. Here's what Northern Gateway will deliver. 
very conservatively, an immediate two to three dollar uptick in the value of every barrel coming out of Alberta. That's not just the barrels that will flow on Gateway, but every barrel out of Alberta. Some are suggesting now that that's a really too conservative and the number should be more in line with six to ten dollars a barrel. A diversified market for our most valuable export with access to the energy-hungry economies of the Pacific Rim. A $270 billion contribution to Canada's GDP over a period of 30 years. Now, you do the straight arithmetic, that's about $9 billion contribution every year for three decades. Just to give you a sense of scale, based on 2011 GDP numbers, this is slightly more than the entire contribution of the Canadian mining sector to our GDP, and nearly double what the forestry and logging contribute. Close to $1 billion in contracts, training, employment, and equity for Aboriginal communities along the right-of-way. $2.6 billion in local, provincial, and federal government tax revenues. $4.3 billion in labour-related income. Approximately 1,150 long-term jobs throughout the Canadian economy and thousands of jobs during construction. Now that's a look across Canada. Now let's look at potentially what the impact is here in Ontario. We'll be buying our pipe in Canada, now, which is, has a tremendous impact on the Ontario steel mills and manufacturing sectors. It is a $5.5 billion project and so the Toronto-based financial institutions and banking sector will be involved. Northern Gateway, as I will mention later, has opposition due to, uh, to, it, due to the relationship with the oil sands. And here's what the oil sands just delivers to Ontario. Over the next 25 years, the oil sand industry is expected to purchase $63 billion worth of goods and services from companies in Ontario. Thousands of jobs, more than half of the employment related to the oil sands outside of Alberta is here in Ontario. By the year 2035, 7% of all oil sands related jobs will be in this province. Now back to Northern Gateway. The Canadian Energy Research Institution uh, paints a remarkable picture of the impact of Northern Gateway on the economy of Ontario. Gateway alone will, in, will create more than 16,000 person years of employment in the province. It will generate more than 390 million in provincial tax receipts. It will generate 686 million in pay for Ontario workers. And it will boost Ontario's GDP by $1.2 billion. And where are those jobs? From services to manufacturing. Northern Gateway is good for Canada and it is good for Ontario. Despite all these local, provincial, and national benefits, the Northern Gateway project is subject to considerable controversy. Um, I know you probably have seen some of the headlines and concern in prints. Some of you might have had an opportunity to witness the protests that happened downtown uh, at our AGM here last week. Much of the controversy arises from the fact that this is an energy mega project which occurs in a region where oil pipelines have not existed for decades, which naturally gives rise to concerns by the local uh, residents and about, lo about their local environment. Now, we welcome the opportunity to engage in these communities. We also know that the project is a lightning rod for opposition because of its connection to the Canadian oil sands. Uh, opponents in Canada and primarily abroad, see stopping the pipeline as a way to stop oil sands development. 
And we have seen different types of opposition, including, as media reports have suggested, millions and millions of dollars crossing the border to stop major Canadian development. As a country, we need to give serious thought to what is the appropriate balance. How do we increase transparency and fairness around the processes that impact our country's future? But in all of this, we are eager to listen and engage in those with direct interest in the project. There are concerns from First Nations and Métis communities, some near the proposed right-of-ways, and others across Canada. For Enbridge, the controversy may be a challenge, but it is certainly no surprise. As one of the world's leading energy delivery companies, we know from long experience that it is not easy to build a consensus about energy projects. When I was here in Toronto, I experienced firsthand the controversial power generation plant for Oakville. And of course, Gateway has attracted its fair share of celebrity opposition. We've got everyone from Robert Redford to Kevin Bacon. And it is really amazing to see how much people will believe in these celebrities rather than just the general population of Canada. It's not easy whether we're talking about a new gas-fired electricity generation plant, a two-kilometer upgrade in a natural gas pipeline in a very populated area, or a 1,200-kilometer pipeline that will stretch across provinces. This is simply the reality of today and the reality of our operating environment. Given the importance of energy infrastructure in, on, in Canada's current and future prosperity, we believe the citizens across the country should get involved in the discussions of Northern Gateway. They need to weigh the pros and cons and access, assess Enbridge's approach to doing business, creating shared value in the community, and being a good neighbour. The key, of course, is that discussion needs to be based on fact. And the facts about the project appear to be capturing the public's interest. Support is growing, but those in favour of the project need to speak up. An Ipso poll of 1,000 BC residents uh, released earlier this year shows that nearly 50% of British Columbians are in favour of the project, about 32% are opposed, and about 20% are undecided. The percentage of those in favour of the project jumps to 55% in the north along the pipeline route. It, this is a far cry from the majority of opposition that activists claim in BC. It shows that most British Columbians are open-minded and willing to listen. Most importantly, the polls demonstrate the validity of a one-time uh, of the time-honored role known as ABC of communications. Awareness leads to buy-in. Buy-in leads to commitment. The poll shows that if more people know the facts around Northern Gateway, the more likely they are to support it. We're also seeing that the public's understanding of the importance of energy infrastructure development in Canada is growing. Earlier this month, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce released the results of a poll uh, conducted by IPSO. The results show that contrary to, the issue, uh, <clears throat> contrary to how the issue may be represented by opponents of energy projects, the Canadian public has a high level of support for energy infrastructure development. For example, two-thirds of Canadians think it's possible to protect the environment while increasing oil and gas production. And most importantly for Northern Gateway, 75% of Canadians think it's important that Canada does what it's required to diversify our oil and gas markets away from the single customer of the United States. Clearly, support for the project and for diversifying our oil markets is gaining traction in Canada. 
There are two reasons why support is growing. One is, is that the business case for the project is compelling. As the global economy continues to struggle, diversifying our crude oil market away, away <clears throat> through Northern Gateway helps Canada insulate itself from the worst of the economic headwinds. The second reason behind growing support is Zambridge's approach to the project and to its stakeholders, whether they are in favour or opposed. I am convinced that this will be a decisive factor in the ultimate success of this initiative. We work hard to be good neighbours and to prove the quality of our character as a company every single day. And we've been consulting with stakeholders, communities, and First Nations along the proposed right-of-way for the last 10 years. We've held 2,500 public uh, meetings, 123 open houses, 150 presentations, and we have talked to over 17,000 people. Our approach is transparent and inclusive. We will talk to any stakeholder and respond to every concern. It's not enough for us to answer the regulatory's questions only. We must work to gain the support in the community halls, in the kitchens, in the schools, everywhere along the communities on our right-of-way. And we're working to do just that. We know we need to earn the trust and the confidence of our stakeholders, and we will do that in a way that we have for 60 years by being approachable, open, and responsive, the way a good neighbour should be. We're also going to great lengths to keep the pipeline and the marine operations safe. And here's a few examples um, among many. Only pre-screened double-hulled tankers will be allowed into Douglas Channel, and they will be tethered to custom super tugboats and be navigated by certified BC pilots. We will be adding navigational aids, radar, and first response capacity to enhance the safety along the entire northwest coast. We will continue to review and test new technologies as it relates to pipeline integrity, early detection of faults, and emergency response. We have already adjusted the proposed routing and waterway crossings based upon the information we have heard from those who are impacted along the proposed right-of-way. The more people learn about Gateway and Enbridge, the more trust they will have in our commitment and ability to build and operate this vital link in Canada's energy supply chain in a safe, reliable and sustainable way. And don't forget, the pipelines have shown to be the safest, most efficient way to transport oil, and oil tankers currently navigate safely through the Great Lakes and off the east and west coast of Canada. Currently, we are in the midst of a regulatory review by the Joint Review Panel um, under the auspices of the National Energy Board and the um, Canadian Environmental Assessment Agent. We submitted our regulatory application two years ago. We're now in the fifth month of community hearings, which are expected to continue till the end of this summer. We will then begin the formal hearing in September, and that is expected to wrap up by the end of the year. We then are expecting a decision by the end of 2013. So, as you can tell, this really has been a very long and thorough process. The federal gov government has recently announced that it is working on a process to streamline the regulatory process. Now, we welcome all initiatives that they uh, are proposing that would provide certainty to the timelines of the hearings for projects like Gateway. But the bottom line for us is our commitment for consultation for those who are impacted by these projects. 
First Nations along the proposed right-of-way have a profound interest in the project and uh, are very key to our consultation process. Just as I am proud of the technical and engineering expertise that we bring to the project, I am also proud of the innovative and collaborative approach that we bring to our interactions with the First Nations. Working closely with Aboriginal communities along the right-of-way, sharing the benefits of the pipeline construction and finding opportunities for them to participate in the project over the long term is not only responsible and uh, being a good neighbour, it truly does make sense. The relationships that we are forging with these communities are critical to our success. We know that First Nations are more than just a stakeholder. We work hard to engage with them, understand their interests and concerns, and find out where we can work together for mutual benefit. Our 10% equity offering in a project to Aboriginal communities along the proposed route is just one example of that approach. We are also assisting with the financing of these equity stakes so that these communities can reap the benefits of the Gateway project for the long term. That's over and above the training and labour opportunities and the sourcing of goods and services for before, during and after construction. So before I wrap it up today, let me leave you with a few thoughts. First, the case for Northern Gateway is very strong. It is hard to argue against the logic, the necessity of diversifying the market for Canadian oil. Gateway is the link between the world's third largest petroleum reserves and the world's fastest growing markets for energy. It will have a transformative impact on Canada's economy. Northern Gateway will bring thousands of jobs to Alberta, BC and the rest of Canada and help secure our future as an energy superpower. Second, Enbridge is uniquely positioned to deliver on the promise of Northern Gateway. Our long-term success is based not only on our ability to safely build and operate energy infrastructure, but also our ability to build respectful, stable, and strong relationships with landowners, stakeholders, and First Nations. Third, the project faces significant opposition, but frankly, the level of that opposition is often overstated by activists who use old public opinion data not even related to the project. The number of people who support Northern Gateway is growing. The voices arguing against it will get louder, but we will stay the course and invite Canadians to join in a civil and fact-based discussion of the pros and cons of the project. Finally, Canada is well-equipped to make a prudent, thoughtful and balanced decision. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> that was made almost all the way through without the water. <laughs> So finally, Canada is well-equipped to make a prudent, thoughtful, balanced decision about Northern Gateway and about our energy infrastructure development. Gateway is just one of the examples of the smart, sustainable and strategic projects. Canada can and should undertake to ensure that we get the best value of our natural resources in a competitive world market. I hope my comments here today have been helpful and built support for this game-changing uh, project. And at the very least, I hope I've encouraged you to join in the conversation. And you will find a very lively discussion at our website at uh, northerngateway.ca. So Canada is ready to enter the global energy market. And Northern Gateway is the key to opening that door. And every Canadian, as well as everybody in this room, holds that key in their hands. Thank you very much.
Well, Janet, thank you uh, very much for that uh, presentation. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted just listening to all that you've uh, already got done. I made a mistake. I should have said it in my introduction that Janet had offered to take some, some of your questions. So if anybody's got some questions, we'll have time for a, for a few. And uh, I dragooned my uh, seatmate, David, into asking <laughs> the first one to get us started. So David, please. Is this on? Uh, yeah, just a quick question. I saw that you uh, that the uh, trend is positive in terms of the public opinion in British Columbia. I'm just curious, do you have similar stats for Ontario and uh, in, in terms of the support for the project? Uh, we have uh, Canadian stats, which is uh, definitely stronger across Canada than it is in uh, British Columbia. There are lowest stats. Be the best way. To do and that. the trend is going in the right direction. It sounds like. Which yes. Is, Next question. All right, the second plant I had, Danny. <laughs> And Robin Sears, you're next if I don't hear from someone else. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. But uh, Ms. Holder, one of the questions that I had is that in connection with some of the, uh, the negative headlines, the divisiveness that's being highlighted, what kinds of examples have you seen in terms of creating new partnerships and support over the course of the last little while in your discussions and negotiations? Okay. Uh, well, I think everybody probably recognizes First Nations is probably the hottest topic on this project. and. Uh, and you'll hear, uh, if you were listening to any of the media last week at our AGM, that there's huge oppositions from First Nations. But we have 45 First Nations along our proposed corridor. We have signed agreements uh, with 22 of those 45, and we're currently negotiating some further. So we do have First Nations support. Um, but we leave it to them to make the decision on when they are going to publicly come out. So it is still very confidential who they are, but uh, there, truly are, there truly is First Nation support, and that is continuing to grow. Okay, last question to Jim Peterson, former Minister of Trade. Thank you. Uh, excellent speech. Uh, some of the critics are saying that there could be greater value added to Canada if we did refining here. How do you respond to that? I will tell you it is something that it's continue being looked at, um, but it just does not appear to have the economics that's necessary. Uh, we have not built refining in North America since, since 1976 or something, I believe, like that. So for, for our purposes, though, the pipeline can take refined products uh, as well as oil. This is not our call to make whether it's going to be refined or not, but I know um, struggle, people are struggling to get traction on that. All right, well, thank you very much. And I'll now ask uh, Danny to offer thanks on behalf of the club. It, uh, it is both an honour and a pleasure to thank uh, Janet Holder for her remarks. And uh, I don't think anyone will be able to resist your invitation because of your logic and your enthusiasm to uh, participate in this project. And as you were speaking, I was, thought, I, I was struck by two uh, in ideas that I think are to place this or think about this in the broader context of how Canadians we benefit in this future generation of responsible and measured economic development, and that is to play to our strengths, which we're fortunate to have in the energy sphere, and secondly, to build on our tradition of trade, which we've been fortunate enough to have leaders in our history that have taken us from a traditional and historic relationship with Europe and the UK to this, new, this generation, the United States, and now to beyond to these new markets in Asia and globally across the world. And you, uh, Ms. Holder, are truly a reflection of that, and we are grateful to have you with your determination and your experience in that position to take us in this new generation. Thank you very much on behalf of all of us in the Canadian Club. <clears throat>
Well, thanks, Danny, for that. And of course, Janet, thank you for those uh, really thoughtful and interesting remarks. Now, just before uh, we adjourn for lunch, please bear with me while I make a couple of announcements. On May 16th, we invite you to join one of Canada's most respected opinion leaders, Rex Murphy, what, for our inaugurable, inaugural geez, celebration of the Order of Canada event with uh, Bruce Kubara, Ratan Omdavar, and Charles Pachter. It's going to be a terrific lunch as we recognize these three uh, Canadians who have been elevated to the Order of Canada this year, and that takes place on May 16th. On May 29th, the President and CEO of Bombardier, Pierre Baudouin, will join us to discuss building the future manufacturing excellence in Ontario. And don't forget, a podcast of Ms. Holder's events speech today will be available in a couple of days on iTunes. Simply visit the event listing on our website to download it. And while you're online, you can check out our Twitter feed. You can keep up to date and follow us at CDNCLUBTO. This concludes our television broadcast today, which will be presented on Rogers Television in the days to come. We continue to be grateful to both Rogers and 680 News for their uh, pr promotion of our club events. And now I'd like to ask Janet to draw a business card and make a new friend. <laughs> the lucky winner is going to receive a bottle of premium Ontario Amarone-styled wine from the Foreign Affair Winery, which was which has been pioneered and owned by one of our club members, Len Crispino. Thank you. And the winner is, ladies and gentlemen, Premier Ernie Eves, Vice Chair of Enterprise Canada. If if anybody if anybody needs a bottle of wine, it's Ernie and I I'll tell you after lunch why I know that. <laughs> uh, Ernie, uh, Lynn will uh, bring your prize over to you. Don't drink it all at once. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would ask you to rise as you're able and join me in a toast to Canada. <clears throat> to Canada. I hope you enjoy your lunch. <laughs>